thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hey people, this is why you tune in. This is now all the exercise we've been getting lately, isn't it? It is, right? <laughs> all right, anyway, hello people. I welcome you to Bible News Radio. Today, I have a, I have a couple that I love. If I could have them as my next door neighbor, I totally would. We're going to talk about this big, heavy book. It's so thick, man. This is like the DSM. Game of Gods. Yeah, it is. That's our, uh, you know, our our graphic. (laughs) Anyway, hey, Carl Tykrib is the author of this book, and his beautiful wife, Leanne, is also on the show. This is why we, we, we wanted you to tune in so you can meet Leanne, because she is hilarious, and uh, I have I have a story to tell about Leanne. <laughs> okay, wait. I'll tell it in in just a minute. But anyway, right now, this is what you have to do, because you know all these platforms that we're on, like to hide us, right? Because we're like, you know, threatening to them or something. Okay. <laughs> the screen just went blue and black, and then oh, I'm back. So, do me a favor, people. Hit that share button. And then just, you know, share it out. And then, you know, tag a a friend or two if you'd like. Okay, that way they could come in and they could hear about Game of Gods, the book. And we're going to talk about some stuff that's been going on that, that, well, honestly, most of you don't know. And maybe some of you don't care about, but hopefully we'll help you to care about it. All right. Yeah. So there you go, people. All right. Also, don't forget, you can always go to BibleNewsRadio.com. You can send us email there. Don't forget to watch that scrolling ticker down there. You can give money to us. A whole lot would be great. And you can join our text message list mm-hmm. by texting Bible News to 33222. Get on that. That's actually the best place to get, get me because that's where I, I send info is to my text message list. I really don't email my list because... So much email gets hidden these days, but text messages go right to your phone. You don't miss them and nobody hides them. And so that's super cool. All right. All right. So today, people, <laughs> one of my favorite cu- couples in in the world of Canada, our brother and sister up north. Yeah, they are. Carl and Leanne Tykrib, they're here. And by the way, if you guys watch my role in on this show, you will see Carl in it every single time because he is actually in the opening thing that my husband put him in there Uh, and not only that but Carl is about a foot taller than me and every time we meet in person even though we never know what we're both gonna wear we wear the same color so there you go so welcome to the show you guys glad you're here I'm so happy you're here yeah I am okay it's on the show Mm -hmm. see look at that they're here Canadians among (laughs) us you know how those Canadians are a. Yeah, you do. You guys say A, don't you? 
We do on he, occasion. He does. I do. I do. Carl does. <laughs> I, I don't. You know what? You know what's really cool about having you guys on is that um, I actually have met you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> on more than one occasion, actually. Yeah. I've, I've met you twice, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was both. It was both in, in uh, Oklahoma. That's right. right? But the yeah. first time was in the the restaurant across the street from the hotel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that that was epic. Okay, everybody, this was great. Me and Randall, we were in Oklahoma, and we got there, and we were trying to go out to dinner. It was like pretty late, right? And so I I think it was I'm trying to remember. It was Andy Woods, Doctor Andy Woods. I think he was in the the restaurant and I saw him go in before us and I was like, I got to follow that guy. Cause I know who he is. And I went in and he went, I think it was him who went to sit next to those two over there. And, um, and then I went and I stood cause I saw Carl and I just stood there and then he jumped up and like gave me a big hug and everything. And we all screamed and stuff. And then <laughs> it was like, Oh my gosh, you're out of the box. What, ha what happened? <laughs> so it was cool. It was one of my, funnest memories that I forgot until just now because you reminded me <laughs> but it's so true and all we did was laugh yeah we had a good time yeah and then you guys paid for our food too I well, think yeah it, it makes up for the, the lousy Canadian money that gets sent <laughs> over the border and you guys have to deal with that kind of stuff so yeah <laughs> That's okay. Hey, these guys have identity theft, so don't even try getting, you know, their That's identities right. people because <laughs> they're, they're new ID Shield members. So, <laughs> which I appreciate. That that's uh, that was cool that you guys supported us that way. But hopefully, you are enjoying your service. That's the most important thing. Mm. Hopefully, we'll never have to use the service. Yeah, hopefully you won't. <sighs> okay. Now the energy is gone, so we should now talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be depressed right well we have too much fun to be depressed mind you at the same time we deal with a lot of depressing topics sometimes so and then the whole world at this point seems to be in depression mm -hmm. uh everywhere you turn it's uh everybody's just waiting for this crazy covid19 to come to a close and who knows when yeah. So, hey, let me, okay. So let me, on that note, let me ask you guys, you guys are in Canada. So tell us what's going on there with your government and stuff. What are they doing? Do they have you under quarantine? Cause. Oh yeah, we, we are under quarantine. I work in the healthcare system. So I am, when I'm at work, I'm on holidays right now. So I'm not really in the thick of it, but uh, you know, people are scared to go anywhere other than the grocery store or where they're allowed to go. Our provincial government has set up uh, a- Citizen ambassadors. Oh yeah, citizen ambassadors, which are basically- Snitches. Snitches that will call uh, the police or whatever government liaison office they have to let people know that you are not social distancing. And uh, then- <laughs> you get called on you could be uh except where we live because yeah. we're, we're in the boonies. We're, we're blessed that way because we're not close to anywhere we live social distancing pretty much 24 7 365 days mm -hmm. yeah so I mean, we are way out in the room i mean we're, we're very very rural but in the cities 
And even in the smaller towns, it's quiet. There's not a lot of traffic. Things have shut down. So that's so our economy is tanking because of that, just like everybody else's economies. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Yeah. Well, and you know, it is, I mean, you know, I live in Hicktown, USA, so I totally get it. So you said they're called citizen ambassadors? Yes. Okay. Okay. Citizen. I'm going to write that down. So if you guys. Nice, nice sounding, nice sounding uh, label, isn't it? <laughs> so citizen ambassadors equals snitch. <laughs> We got that, people. Write that down. Okay? This is the, the, the 1984 language. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so, all right. So, all right. And now let's let's talk a little bit about who you people are, okay? So, Carl, you and, you, you and I made a joke that, I think it was Leanne made a joke when we first met, that, like, the two of us in the same room is, like, having bobsy twins i guess you know just you know <laughs> you're you're a goofball like i am but we deal with really heavy topics and so that's highly unusual and you know in some ways we can get an audience but other times people don't take us well they don't take me that seriously even though they should you know i mean it's the hair you know that people <laughs> i love your hair i do too I think your hair rocks i do too i thank you i do i i love my hair too but the problem is is people with curly hair they, they often get pigeonholed as crazy oh yeah well straight hair gets to be boring so there we go <laughs> <laughs> i know it is what it is okay so how long have you guys been knowing each other we got married in 89 and we dated two years before that. So it's been some time already. Do the math, man. I'm not going to do the math. <laughs> I suck at math. <laughs> 31 years. 31 right. years. And me and Randall, yeah, we've had been married. It'll be 28 years this year, but we knew each other for two years. So we've been married. Well, we've been together 30 years, which gosh. Well, there we go. Doesn't that make us feel old? <laughs> no, it makes you feel crazy cool because you've known this one person for that long and you've you've done life and it's awesome oh see that's all see that deserves hearts oh. <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> a social distancing heart that's what this is <laughs> that was funny i have to admit right no anyway okay <laughs> Okay, so you guys have been together for like three decades. That's that's an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, it is. And you have this massive library behind you. Now this is this is super cool, everybody. I don't know. Here in America, David Barton over at Wall Builders, he has this big, huge, massive library of of books that, you know, cover American history and I mean collectible stuff and everything. And Carl is kinda like the David Barton of Canada. Uh except you have this, like, <laughs> tell us about your library. I'm a bibliophile, so I just, one day, I would love to be there. Well, you know, it's open for you. Just come up. Yeah, I just have I know to it's get a little there. ways away. Uh, this is my bit. research library. This is my hub. Um, I'm a firm believer in having the documentation and the research work available to my hands. Uh, unlike, unlike so many who focus purely on web-based research, I, and I do that too. We all do that. Um, I have a propensity to use books, documents, and material that isn't going to get stripped off the web because they are in hard copy. Yep. And that's important. 
it's very and, important because and for years before that we were blessed with this space it was in our house yeah which we moved three times we it it took over our house <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah literally took over our house especially the basements uh, and even upstairs it was always books and papers we were really fortunate we were able to, to purchase uh, a former veterans hall uh, that was not being used much anymore and so a really sweet deal a deal you we couldn't pass up and in our community hey it, it's a very small small town people know who you are they know what your needs are it was a handshake deal done between the cafe and the grocery store and we'll oh, around the yellow line well, it was really <laughs> a faded yellow line but yeah just and so we got the building Otherwise, there'd be no way we could we could do this. Yeah, and you told me that story a couple of weeks ago when we talked to set this up. I think that's so cool that on a literal handshake that they did that. I mean, I think yeah, that, yeah. And then even even the bookshelves that you see in the background, um, we have a, a fellow that has a small lumber yard beside us, and this is the kind of community it is. And, and he just said, he said, look, he says, I know that you have to build bookshelves, and we do. In fact, for the first six weeks, this whole space was a great big woodworking shop. And he just said, take whatever you want out of my lumber yard. Doesn't matter if I'm old. Doesn't matter if it's Sunday or late night, but just keep track of what, what you guys are taking and uh, pay me when you can. We'll make it work. Yeah, that's so, so that, cool. Those kind of places, those kind of people still exist. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Am I on screen or is it they on screen? Okay, now we're both on screen. <laughs> All right, I want to just say hi to a couple of people that have tuned in because we have some people. I see Phyllis over there. Larry, hey, Larry. I hope you're watching, Larry. I hope Larry, all of a sudden, you guys know Larry. He's he's watching, it looks like. Uh, let's see here. And we got Sean and Natasha and Mia and some other people over on Periscope. Jonathan, Jonathan's over there. And I don't know, Randall, if anybody's on YouTube, I can't see because I have, you um, know. Nor can I. All right, hold on a minute. <laughs> I mean, we know there's more people, but some of you are hidden. <laughs> Just so you know. Okay, wait, let me go ahead over here. I'm trying, I'm hoping my computer doesn't crash from all the bandwidth use at the moment. Uh, Audrey. Oh, yeah, Audrey is over there. Audrey. We all know Audrey. Let's see. Okay, I'm sure there's some other people there, too. But, um... Yeah, so so this is cool that you get this library. And how many books would you say approximately you have in that library, Carl? Books and documents, roughly 10,000. So 10,000 books, okay? So we're establishing your credibility as a researcher here uh, because, and this is super important, right? Because um, you, your organization, Forcing Change, right? You still have that? We have the web page, the website, but we haven't used it. We've I had that as a magazine mm -hmm. uh, for nine years as a monthly magazine. So that's what people still remember us by the magazine forcing change. Right. But in 2015, I shut the, mag the, the website down and, and shut the magazine down because I needed to focus all my attention on this big sucker. Yeah. And yeah. you're only a high school graduate, right? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. No, no I, in the words of my favorite Western writer, Louis Lemur, I found high school interfered with my education, so I left. Did you really? You didn't graduate? 
I got to the end of grade 11 and I said, adios, I'm out of here. You know what? Okay. So that makes it even better though. Because, And I remember when I talked to you in person about this, I, I think this is amazing because uh, I heard, oh, what the heck was I listening to? I heard, oh, no, I was at a networking meeting this week, actually. And this guy taught on learning. He said that there is mass education, but not mass learning. And I thought, ooh, that's that is so true that we have all this mass education and we have, uh, what do you call it? That, you know, what's the new Common Core crap, uh, you know? But we don't have mass learning, and so, you know, people like Glenn Beck, even I don't think I don't don't know. I think he's just got a high school diploma too. My dad, that's all he has, you know. Just because you don't have the paper that says you're, quote, educated doesn't mean anything because, like what you just said, you probably read most of those books, right? I mean, at well, least. And it's, and it's not just simply the access to books. It's it's going, and in terms of credibility, it's going places that others won't go to do the research, to right. do boots on the ground, physical, um, and, you know, you're physically engaging in doing the research. Uh, and that right now, it's all virtual, of course, because we can't go anywhere. And I'm glad Audrey's listening to this broadcast right now because Audrey and her husband Brian and myself were were um, partaking in attending a virtual global conference on cryptocurrencies, digital assets, and what the economic environment will look like uh, in the next six to six months to, to 18 months as we start to unpack uh, all the damage that will come with with the shutdowns. Ooh, that so, sounds very interesting. It, it, yeah, and so it's important. It's important to go, and I mean, I've gone to lots of stuff, uh, all kinds of different events, dozens and dozens. This February before uh, before COVID hit, I was in San Jose, California, doing research at the largest gathering of witches in the world, largest indoor gathering of witches in the world. So you go places, you interact, you listen, you spend time. Uh, with with these people, with the movers and the shakers, it, it goes beyond reading books, beyond reading documents. Uh, you need to be able to actually engage in the culture. So what's it like to go into a room full of witches knowing that you're not one yourself? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. I guess I, 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 I want to say a stupid comment like going to Walmart, but uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, you know, and actually that's not that far off because these are regular people. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you, and you know this very well, you'll be engaging with pagans and you might not know it. Uh, these are school teachers, they're, they're doctors, they're educators, they're, they're housewives, they're, they're just regular people from all walks of life, all demographics. And uh, going into their midst, um, I just, for the most part, keep my mouth shut. I'm listening, 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 asking pertinent questions, uh, taking a lot of notes, observing. And so I went to, I think, 20 or so rituals and workshops and lectures, mostly the workshops and lectures, some of the rituals I was able to sit and observe, and then take the time to, to try to, to analyze and, and, and to understand where where even their own community is struggling, where there's tension points, where there are points of, of conflict, uh, where they see growth and where they see challenges. Very One thing too, Stacey, it's important for people to realize going to events like this, and we've gone to Burning Man, Leanne and myself, Leanne was gonna come with me this year, but 
Burning Man got canceled. I know. Uh, I heard about that. Talks, but, you know, for the research <laughs> side of it. Um, and the fact she was willing to come this year was like so big. And we've been to Burning Man now three times. In fact, Audrey and Brian have come with last year. One of the things that, that hits you as you engage in one-on-one interactive boots on the ground research is that you develop empathy for the people. Yeah. You see them now as people and not just simply subjects, not just simply as boogeymen or whatever the, the common thought of the day is within the Christian conspiracy circle. No, in fact, we try to stay away from the conspiracy side and just focus on, all right, what are the trends of the day? And, uh, and then interact with those people. So for those people who don't know what Burning Man is, tell us a little bit about what, what, what it is. Oh, sure. Uh, it's a gathering of roughly 80,000 people coming together in the Black Rock Desert of northern, northern Nevada. Um, it's dusty. It's hot. It's a festival. It's not a festival. It's really a community. And for eight days, you build a temporary city with multi-story structures, temples, a great big human effigy, which is why it's called Burning Man. Hmm. And at the end of this optional event, uh, where things are pretty wild and pretty crazy, uh, at the end of it, they burn the effigy, they burn the man, then they burn their temple, and other big art pieces get burnt. What's interesting, it's really the gathering place of Silicon Valley, and it's a gathering place of, of social change agents. There's a lot of people coming just simply to party, you know, and that's something people... That's what people recognize it most as, is the party side. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Pardon me. No COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to go. Ah, <laughs> social distance. <laughs> most people recognize it for its, its party because that's how the media portrays it. That's there. Absolutely. But it's also a place where congressmen come together. Last year, there were 52 U.S. mayors touring the city. Wow. To take, to take away lessons for their own communities. Uh, we had... One of the chief, former chief economists for the World Bank, there for the entire week doing research, studying the subject of Burning Man, because he saw how that might integrate with World Bank programming. Uh, I ran into the European Union liaison officer to the U.S. federal government, had a great two-hour conversation. Uh, I, was, I was with her a couple of times we ran into each other. Um, it's not, it's, it, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's just a bunch of millennials all going and getting stoned and running around doing dumb things. Well, there is some of that for sure, but it's also a gathering place of the world. Hmm. All right. So because of that, and, and now you, you know, you see what's going on with, with uh, the COVID-19 and them shutting down the countries. What is your take on that in, in light of your research here, which by the way, everybody, the name of the book is called game of gods, the temple of man in the age of enchantment which you can get on Amazon, I think, as well as other places, right, Carl, Leanne? Yeah, uh, Amazon is the primary place. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah go ahead and answer the question. Oh, sure, sure. Um, what was the question? The COVID, COVID. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, the COVID thing. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit. I'm sorry. Just because you mentioned the subtitle of the book, The yeah. Temple of Man in the Age of Reenchantment. Yes, the subtitle, um, when I was wrapping up the book Game of Gods, um, well, it was already a year before I wrapped it up. In 2017, Burning Man placed the human effigy, placed their man within its own temple. And so I needed to go to that event literally because it was the temple of man. 
And so that's part of why the book's subtitle uh, is, is done that way, done intentionally. It really is the temple of man. We also set up a camp there called Camp of the Unknown God. And we have a sign that literally says Camp of the Unknown God, based out of Acts 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we use that as a launching point for discussions about the serious side of Christianity instead of, of it being mocked like it normally is there. Back to the question, though, on COVID, my take on it, our take on it, is it a real thing? Is it a real virus? Absolutely. No question about it. Um, where did it come from? What's its origins? We don't know better than anybody else. The big question, though, that arises, the, the, the real serious question is what will round two look like? And what will the economic and uh, not just economic, the government changes look like because of COVID-19? That to me is really very, very serious. Well, and that's that's really my question. Do you think that they are moving towards a one world government and a one world currency? Because I've actually seen some really interesting things on YouTube and I, I've get, been getting a lot of stuff sent to me from, from viewers, um, you know. And one thing that I heard, and I don't know, I don't know whether or not I can believe it or not, but one of them suggests that the president of our country, America, here, um, you know, wants to overturn the Federal Reserve, and that's what they're kind of doing right now. But I, I, I would believe that if it actually happened. I, I find that hard to believe. Um, I think that they're trying to make us a socialist country. Uh, and get us to, to, to depend on the government for everything. And that's what's happened by default. Yeah. That's, I mean, we're, we're clamoring for that. We want that. I mean, as a culture, we're, we're screaming, somebody save us. So by default, we already are moving into that, you know, into that system, which is really disturbing. <laughs> did, you ever, did you guys ever think that we would actually see this in our lifetime, though? I mean, seriously. Like, yeah. 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 But not, I didn't think it would be like this if that makes sense yeah what yeah. one of the chapters i have in the book is called cult of world order and it goes into the background the history of world government i take you to the united nations i take you to world government meetings because i've been at world government meetings literally world government meetings discussing it working through through the direction to make it happen um and the, and the thing that pops up when you are attending events like world federalist meetings is the recognition that you do need some type of crisis to bring this about. It isn't gonna happen just by osmosis. There needs to be some type of, of tipping point. And, and war has always been that tipping point. And it has to be something global, not just regional, not just you know um, uh, a bushfire here. It has to be a, a, a significant event. World War I brought about the League of Nations. And initially, and, and you'll see that in the chapter, Initially, the League of Nations was supposed to be a far more enhanced, far more powerful body, but it didn't. It didn't become that, but it did, it did act as a stepping stone to, to world government. Then World War II brought about the United Nations. What's fascinating is the church involvement, Christian involvement, pushing for both the League of Nations and then the United Nations. A real interesting history of how Christians were, were probably at the forefront of saying, yeah, we need world government which I find kind of disturbing, but mm-hmm. that was the history. That was the time. And, and the United Nations did not become what it originally intended, what a lot of people were hoping it would become. And we never did have the third big crisis, like serious global crisis, at least not yet. And I don't think COVID-19 is that crisis, not yet. It's maybe a stepping stone towards it. An example. 
Yeah, yeah, stage one. I don't know. It's hard to say. We can't really speculate. Well, that's all we can do is speculate, but we can. It, it's it's impossible to to say with certainty. But I, I will tell you this, though, Stacy. Even the the conference that that Brian, Audrey, and myself were in virtually over the last two days, the the, the topic of a global currency popped up a, a few different times. Uh, the the concepts of creating a a crypto digital African currency was, I mean, that was a big project that was being promoted and pushed. Uh, the understanding that we're we're going to see a completely restructured economic system. How how it's going to look is going to be anybody's guess at this point. Not anybody's guess, but yeah. What, um, you know, it's interesting. This week I got a uh, an email. It was clear, clearly a phishing email, but it was one of the first lines in it was, uh, uh, "Please send me a thousand dollars in Bitcoin uh, because I." I have hacked your computer and I've seen these adult sites that you're looking at it and we're going to go ahead and we're going to, uh, you know, if you don't believe me, then, then respond to this email with a number seven and I'll show you seven people who've seen this video of you and I'm going to send it to everybody. <laughs> your life is about to change, buddy. I mean, it was something like that. I mean, I read it to my networking group to get them to buy ID shield because I thought it was so funny for, it was poorly written, but it was like the first it was like the first threat email like like if if you better give me cryptocurrency or else but <laughs> i'm so scared uh but you know it is interesting cuz i i see all over facebook i see people uh freaking out about oh my gosh could this be the mark of the beast and and then the vaccine thing you know i'm i one one of the big things i'm hearing now is that that they're going to keep us in our houses and the only way that we'll be able to come out and be in society is if we go ahead and we get the vaccine from bill gates and you know all these guys that they're doing what are your thoughts on that i i think it's an overreach at this point i don't think we know right uh, and, and to me so you know I, I've, I've read and seen a lot of different theory theories on what what could be coming um and and there may be little elements of that that are true because at this point we're we're seeing we're seeing you know western civilization shut down the whole world shut down so to speak and yet at the same time um the, you know there's a speculative side to it and that's we have to recognize it for what it is it is a speculative side well and that's the that to me is the is the hard part because you know i'm seeing other people who are who are saying that we're living in such an age of deception right now that the truth is hard to discern in anything that we're seeing coming out of the media. Um, and I, I was telling somebody, or maybe it was on the show, I, I mentioned, I said, you know, don't ever underestimate the devil because he's way more crafty than any of us will ever be. We can't even begin to fathom how all this is going to come down because we're not that wicked. Yeah, and, and we don't we don't know all the parts. We don't know all the moving parts. And that's part of the problem. I mean, China itself right. doesn't allow us to know what exactly transpired there and mm -hmm. so it becomes really difficult um yeah we, we've we've got certain countries that will not tell what's going on and and we have nations who who won't for their best interests and and i get that uh that's the games that get played and so all we can do is is deal with the situation uh that comes into our own you know into our own life into our own reality uh is there anybody in our community within 
quite a distance of us who has COVID-19? No. Um, are we moving around and doing things? Yeah, we're still being careful because, I mean, you have to be. You have to be mm -hmm. primarily because you've got a, a culture now that's 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 screaming this at you. Right. Whereas the reality of of it, in, at least for our our area, isn't what is being said on CNN. Right. <laughs> well, and where I live too. I mean, my neighbor's kid had it, and it made the news. Um, but you know, she's fine. Uh, and they used her story to basically, you know, see, you know, kind of say, see, don't mock it because you might get it. You know, <laughs> it's like in Tennessee, I think there's a hundred, there's been a hundred deaths from it, um, which are, which are all tragic, but it's not like New York or, right. you know, and yesterday, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you saw our show yesterday, but but Randall and I, we went to Walmart yesterday and it was the first time we went out to get, you know, some groceries and stuff. And, and it was the first time we went to Walmart where they literally had it cordoned off where we had to go in, in a line. They had, you know, the six feet apart <laughs> and, and half about half the shoppers had bandanas around their face and masks and then half didn't. And those of us who didn't were like, uh, you know, I'm thinking we're in the club. But nobody at Walmart who was working there had anything on. Right. So that's just like, I know. It's the, it's like you would think, at least me, I would think that they would be at more of a threat because they're interacting with the public every day. Yes. You know, I mean, when we've had bad flu epidemics and we do have bad flu seasons yeah. every year uh, in the healthcare system, you shut down your senior citizen homes, you shut down. You know, certain wards of hospitals, you quarantine those who are at the most risk. Right. In this situation, we've quarantined everybody. Uh, th and this is not like the Spanish influenza. It's not that to that point yet. Uh, not even not even remotely close to that point yet. We can't even, I mean, yet, yet that's, that's the kind of precautions that we're being told we have to take. Um, this afternoon, I guess it was this morning, depending on the time zone, uh, I was in a second second life uh, session, and Audrey RV was in it as well uh, uh, on the question of what the COVID situation looks like. And it was a, a workshop being done um, inside of Second Life, which is a virtual world, and it was on a uh, with an outfit that is, is basically like a science platform within Second Life. What was interesting is listening to the the comments that were floating around after the lecture was done about how, well, maybe this is about culling the herd and that's maybe okay, stuff like that. Um, how the herd, the best way to immune, you know, best way for the herd to be immunized is if they're they're vaccinated. Uh, just some some really weird language. And I'm like, nah, I don't like, I don't like what this is bringing out. Um, especially if you take it from a Darwinian scientist type of, uh, not, not, scient not scientist as in a scientist uh, position, but scientism where all, all we have is the naturalistic worldview, uh, where we end up having a Darwinian perspective. And um, this, that kind of bothers me because I'm going, all right, um, what does this look like then? What does this mean? Um, that, that's the kind of language that takes us down to some pretty dark places. Sure. So Leanne, uh, you have actually read this book. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably one of the only people I know that's probably read the whole thing. And only on chapter 13. <laughs> are you really? 
You didn't yeah. edit this. But you're thing. almost done. But I'm almost done. Yes. Yeah, there's only four fifteen chapters. The last one's really short. Okay, so yeah. All right, and you guys, you guys do a, um, you guys do a show over on YouTube, right? So, which I have to say is hilarious. I, I love it because, I mean, you. it's like, you know, I will tell you when I was sick um, at the beginning of March, I was, I had talked to Carl, and I think it was the next day. I was like, you know, I'm not feeling good. I was just feeling like, and it was just a cold, but it was one of those colds where it's like, you know, you don't want to do anything. I I tuned into your YouTube channel and I watched everything that you guys did. And I felt so much better afterwards, just emotionally. You guys made me laugh, but... But that was honestly, I thought, you know what? I should just buy their book and then, you know, forget, you know, <laughs> that I got the PDF of it already. I just want to buy it. And I sent it to, to, to a friend. But but you are, I think you're so humble compared to, I, I mean, I was not compared to Carl, but, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's humble too. But you know what I'm saying? I think you guys are so. I am, I am so, so, so much so. more humble than him. <laughs> Yes, I'm so much better. <laughs> this is one of these moments as an interviewer, you're like, damn, I cannot believe I just said that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But anyway. Oh, oh that's great. You know, it, it, <laughs> I, this is something that, that, it, that people don't get if they're not on the air a lot. And you're on the air all the time. The more I am. that you say on air in a public <laughs> setting, yeah, it's inevitable. You'll say something that's silly. If you want to hear something really silly, last week, our prime minister. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> when he was talking about his COVID-19, because he does a daily, a daily briefing on COVID-19, uses the words, speaking moistly. And now there's songs then, but, about but it. As soon as he said it, he to goes, be fair, he goes, Oh, that's a bad image. That's a bad image. But somebody ran with it and made this incredible music video to go with it. And it it's it's it's, it is so much it's fun. crazy fun. But anyway, and everybody in Canada is singing it in their heads or out loud, whichever. But <laughs> yeah, you had to bring that up. But anyway, <laughs> um, about my humility again yeah <laughs> you are so humility hum you you're, you're <laughs> i was gonna tell a story about you actually so oh okay so she doesn't i'm gonna say this but this is so funny okay so it's not it, it doesn't <laughs> so i met leanne at uh the oklahoma uh prophecy watchers conference and i was gonna be interviewing uh dr michael lake that morning and um, my back was really bugging me. So Leanne has some essential oils. And she's like, oh, I have some of these. How about I put some on your back or whatever? <laughs> you remember this? You remember. Mm -hmm. you... I do. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, she puts them on my back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is really good, you know. But what you don't know is that as I'm standing up against the wall interviewing Dr. Michael Lake, who's a big guy. I mean, he's like a foot taller than me at least like Carl I mean I'm short you know all of a sudden the essential oils like I don't know if they all hit my bloodstream or what but I'm starting to feel like totally lightheaded <laughs> like, I'm gonna like how am I supposed to like uh, Dr. Light go ahead you know I'm like, and I'm like I'm like this so yeah the power of EO people 
Yeah. <laughs> but Sorry uh, about that. oh no, it was good though because it was a, a happy memory. <laughs> no pain. No, no pain at all, and it smelled good actually. <laughs> oh, and these guys bring candy from Canada when you go yeah, to conferences, do. so I got a lot of candy too. So I love you. We we just have some really unique chocolate bars that you folks don't down there, and we just happened to come in the fall when we always have this Halloween candy come out and we brought a few boxes but to be honest our our best customer of them was Audrey's husband Brian <laughs> and I think he ate 80% of it so even though he can get all of this yeah because he's Canadian too yeah yeah there Thanks, you Brian. go yeah that's that's good so when you do the show though with Carl on your YouTube channel, which is what is your YouTube channel, so people can um, do this and they want to know the brand of Inside, candy. It's called Inside Game of Gods. The, the show is called Inside Game of Gods. Okay. Uh, my, it, it's, it's just Carl Tyker is my YouTube channel. I think I can't remember. Dang, I can tell you in a few minutes. I'll, I'll go on the other. Computer. I'll Google it. <laughs> it's Carl Tyker, and it's the show is called Inside Game of Gods. Okay, now do you prep for this show? Like when you're you're interviewing him, yeah, yeah, we do, yeah, yeah. Just to kind of give a, a direction, um, we we it, it's a fine balance because there, we we don't want to talk about necessarily the contents of the book, but we want to talk about inside it, like some of the things that happened that made the book what it is, some of the backstory situations, uh, and then talk a little bit about the content. But there's a lot of just a lot of personal history. And I, I, as you know, I tend to take the more lighter side of things and Carl likes to keep it more serious. So we're a good combo because we play off each other that way. And yet the irony of it all is that you, Leanne, seem more serious looking than Carl. That's just my angry face. That's just my... I just, yeah. <laughs> That's my resting face. I just look mad. Ask my kids. They, they'll say the same thing. So what kind of candy Sean wants to know? He wants to know what kind of candy. What's the name of the candy? Coffee crisps. Uh, Krispies, coffee crisp. Arrows. Arrow. Um, mint arrows. I like mint arrows. We don't bring those, though. So. I know, because I'd probably eat most of them on the way down. <laughs> Kit Kats, what you have. Um, caramilk. The coffee crisps, though, are really good. Yeah, everybody. If you it. like coffee and you like chocolate, then you'll love coffee crisp bars. His response is the thumbs up emoji. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people, I haven't taken a break yet, so I need to do that right now. I'm, I'm going. Okay, I have to take a break from these people. So let's go ahead and give you like a break so do you have to go to the bathroom now is the time why we <laughs> do the break okay uh actually <laughs> we no longer have a sponsor so it doesn't really matter but anyway if you want to um <laughs> if you want to uh um support our show and why wouldn't you huh i mean seriously uh you can go to biblenewsradio.com forward slash give and give a lot of money there to support the show you know if you give every month you're a pillar of our community or as my friend jennifer says a pillager of our community uh but we appreciate whatever it is you do whether you pillage or pillage or you're a pillar we 
don't mind either way. <clears throat> and also, don't forget, um, if you need legal protection, and you do, if you if you need a will, you know, I always say this, don't get caught dead without a will, you know, because if you have a will, it's good for you. And we all have a will, people. We have free will. And we have the ability to... Uh, sorry, I was just going to go... <laughs> I'm watching the tight ribs people, what they're doing. Carl left. Can you believe that? I don't know if he went to the bathroom or what. But anyway, if you need a will, don't forget to come to me and get it, okay? Because you can sign up for Legal Shield. Most of you already watch and already have it. So here's the thing. If you already own it, tell a friend and have them come to me. And that will support our show that way as well, too. Uh, okay. Oh, candy is coming up. Emojis. The other thing is, if you use essential oil... If you go to sparknaturals.com and use my coupon code John316, it will save you 10% on your order. I know a number of you use essential oil. This is allergy season, people. You should get lemon, lavender, and peppermint essential oil and mix it together, and that will help clear your sinuses uh, for when you're going outdoors, which is probably two minutes a day because you're all quarantined inside, which means you can use an inside diffuser, diffuse it in your house just to make your house smell pretty and open up your sinuses that way. And make sure to, ch to change your air filter as well. That's super important. Randall does it here in our house. Yeah, he does, which is in the middle of the street. Do you want to get on and say something, Mr. Handsome Hunky what Husband? What I don't uh, know. Save me. Save me. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, good how way. Many, how many of you people, like, knew that that was a reference to a song? Just just a little, um, you know, little tip here. I know we're getting way off the rails here, but, hey, you're talking about changing air filters, mm -hmm. which started from essential oils. But, yeah, you did. know, basically, air filter, better ones are good, like, for three months. So if you just change your air filter at the beginning of each season a friendly tip you know the first day of winter first day of spring first day of summer first day of autumn it's good so you remember oh season's changing we're probably going to use more you know ac or more heating whatever so that's the time to change your air filters people all right that's what I've got to contribute. No, I'm good. <laughs> Were you going to say anything else? No, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know. Do you, have some, do you have questions for Carl and Leanne Tykrib, our superior I suppose that I guests, do. Our, our high-esteemed snooty type guests that, you know, are they're so humble that they're not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're the greatest people on, in Canada. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I was going to say in the earth, but that's a little stretch. Well, because because the way I had to set this up and I'm not able to grab just a particular application. Can you I'm put presuming. all four of us on the screen? Is there a possibility you can put me and you in the same box and then do you know how to do that? It'd, it'd be a challenge. Because uh, um, my hair is so big, right? It would just... That's it. So I'd have to squish my hair. So, oh. Anyway. Do you want to take over the interview? I'm kind of having a dry spell at the moment. You are. Well, I mean, you could like jump in and you should ask some questions of the Tyke Ribs because you met them too. Yeah, I have. Yeah, and I can interview them about Randall. Like, I don't have a side by shot, the side by side shot of me. Oh. And them, and I'm not good at multitasking, as you know. You're not. So, anyway, but I I can go solo and then switch back and forth and ask questions that way. All right, so Randall is going to take over this interview just for five minutes. 
Because oh. I know him. He'll like go on and on. And next thing you know, it's a Bible study for like 10 hours. So Perfect. Okay, go ahead. Now, and and meanwhile, I will go ahead and read some comments that we, we've actually gotten a couple You're of people. Are going to do that now? Well, let's see here. Well, Andy Woods and Denise joined. Um, I don't know if they're still there. Probably not. It's been so long. Well, I don't know. Hey, put a comment if you're still on Facebook because I can't see it. All right. Go ahead, Bearface. Wait. Look. <laughs> well, first it's of so all... hard to see all the comments. So well, uh, first of all, um, let's see. There's your shot. Um, uh, thumbs up on the YouTube uh, show with the inside game of gods and like you described it really well that it is it's kind of the inside of the you know the, the making of the book the writing of the book and and the uh you know what went into it it's 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 very educational that way and uh you know or if it was like a uh you know 30 page book it'd be hard to dance around the content but with a <laughs> 900 some page book you know it's you could say a lot and never yeah, you can't give it all away, so it's good. But anyway, so there's a there's a question. See in how here. hard it is to actually interview uh, Randall. Hmm? Yeah. By and the this... way, I think Larry Olson's still watching. So hey, Larry, nice to see you, bud. Okay. Okay, go back to Randall. All right. Well, all right. So anyway, in this in this, I think it was the latest episode. You were talking about chapter three and the and how human is in the Reformation and all that kind of stuff came in. I'd be interested to uh, get your take on, with that uh, background of, you know, the divorcing of basically the church from science, well, science has become its own religion kind of thing, um, where that puts us in the current state of where, uh, you know, with this whole, I'm going to form a question on it, really am, um, you know, this 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 COVID thing, I see kind of, um, on one hand, people feeling out of control, like this is, you know, we're, this is something we can't control, and kind of more spiritual sort of possibility awakening. But at the same time, we've got the huge, you know, that's all science-driven about flattening the curve and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just curious if, if this, you see this is... Um, What's going to come out here is a more humanistic, uh, you know, more man-centered kind of um, culture, or there's a, there's a possibility for um, a spiritual awakening, be it Christendom or some other thing. Or back so, to you. So you want to know if there's there's some type of spiritual awakening that could come out of all this? Yeah, it's like, is will it go one way or the other, or do we see kind of both? Uh, kind of getting fuel and diverging or coming together? Into you something. see both. Uh, you see humanism uh, and, and you see spirituality, but this is not Christian spirituality. Right. And one of the arguments I'm making in the, in the book is that we're already past postmodernism and we've entered the age of reenchantment, which is primarily feeling driven, emotion driven, and has uh, a pulls meaning and purpose from a mystical connection to nature. Uh, it is essentially the, the green movement. Uh, it's essentially deep ecology. The argument that I, I, I take with the book is that all these different strains from Christendom to modernity 
and modernity is birthed out of your out of that same period of the Reformation uh, to postmodernism, which comes around realistically in the 1960s. Though arguments can be made that it began even earlier, uh, and and at the same time as postmodernism comes into play, it, its replacement is birthed at the exact same time. They walk hand in hand. And, and that is re-enchantment. That is looking for some type of spirituality that's divorced from Christianity, because it is. It is Eastern, it is mystical, it is Earth-based. At the same time, it walks hand in hand with humanism. It walks hand in hand with, this becomes the new consensus in terms of even uh, our view of science. And, uh, and you do see these, these walking together. Uh, in this COVID-19 thing, yeah, you see hard science being being uh, thrown out all the time because it's there. I mean, it is a scientific, it's a scientific issue. It's a medical issue. But at the same, you know, same token, we have a lot of people talking about, hey, well, this is you know, better for climate change and going all back into that eco-Gaian narrative. And, and the, one of the things that I, I try to make very clear in the book is, is this is a trajectory. The, the Christian worldview has been discarded we're not returning to it. Um, instead, we, we now have to look for opportunities to bring the Christian worldview in to our daily life, uh, primarily because the culture has already divorced it. And the culture has divorced it in a significant way. Gener Generation Z or Z, Z for us Canadians, Z for you Americans. I could never figure out why that was there. But Generation Z um, is the first non-Christian, purely non-Christian generation that has that hasn't grown up in a, with a christian context mm -hmm. now they've grown up with science sure they've grown up with humanism sure to some extent but they've grown up with way more eco mysticism way more postmodern feeling based uh, uh sense of identity it's it's uh that's the direction we're going and even with covid19 uh so we have this time period right now where we, we've seen some things change but I don't think we're going to be seeing a, a drastic change in worldviews. I think we're just going to see that entrenched even further. Wow. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely, right? Yeah. How did I, mean, I end just, up on here? I don't know. Just because it was, you looked like you were already talking. So I just want to give you that opportunity. But yeah, um, great answer. And um, that's kind of what we, well, I was going to say, we read what you've written in the game of gods is this um how much have you written read of the book Randall? how much have i read i haven't yeah. i'm mm -hmm. i haven't and I'm, yet you've had a pdf of it for quite some time haven't you yes you I are have. so guilty you have not read the book i uh i've not <laughs> i've I, I've, I've skimmed a lot <laughs> i was not sleeping but anyway but I just, I think with people with the book, I, I want people to know that it's not a hard read. Um, it's dense. Yeah, okay, it's dense. It's, dense. it's, it's a thick book. I'm mm -hmm. not going to deny it. It's a thick book. But um, it's not a hard read. Once you get into it and once you start reading it, it's not, and it shouldn't be over your head. It's common sense. It follows a logical, to a logical conclusion. It It's. It's not, I've had lots of people say, oh, he uses such big words. And I'm like, 
okay, expand your vocabulary. I've had, we had a friend who read it with a dictionary sitting beside him, which is fine. And, and he got it, he learned, and it's not there to tickle your ears. It's not there to um, entertain you. It is there to teach you <laughs> and to show you why we're here, how we got here and not maybe where we're going, but this is where you're at and why. Very cool. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I wrote the book in five sections. The first section is, is just two chapters introducing the idea of oneism versus the Christian view of, of twoism, which my friend Dr. Peter Jones has done a remarkable job of, of unpacking. Uh, and then giving different illustrations and examples of how oneism really is the dominant worldview. Uh, that even fits within the atheist context where man is the measure of all things. There is nothing outside of nature. That itself, it becomes a oneist worldview, which ultimately says God, man, and nature are, are they share the same core. They share, they, they share the same commonality. Whereas a biblical worldview says, no, God is different. God is distinct. He's outside of time, space, and matter. So the first couple of chapters really play on that. And the second chapter takes you to an event, my very first world event I attended, which was setting a, a Canadian curriculum up to, to fit within the concepts of global citizenship. And then the second part of the book goes into the history of it, because we have to know how we got here. How, how did this become the dominant culture? How did the intellectual life of Western civilization change this much? What's the roadmap? Because you can trace it, you can document it, uh, you can analyze it. And so that's what we do in, in part two. Um, part three goes into some of the biblical background and takes a look at Genesis chapter three and also the, the city and tower of Babel and also the first city of the Bible, which isn't Babel, by the way. It's the city of Enoch and what that means, its symbolism, its meaning. Um, part four are four very big chapters and each of them are case studies of oneism. Uh, chapter, uh, the, the, the first chapter in part four is on the cult of world order, which goes into world government, the concepts of political oneism, which I think people, if you have any interest at all on the political side, uh, you're gonna learn a lot uh, because I, I pulled material out that just you just don't have access to, not even on the web. And there's a lot of material pulled out all the way through the book that you don't have access to on the web because you have to physically go to the archives. You have to physically go to where these events are taking place and glean the documents, glean the material. Um, we have a chapter, uh, one of the other case studies is on religious oneism, which is interfaithism. And that's a huge deal for, for us Christians, mm -hmm. is interfaithism. And that includes some of the gleanings that we took away from attending the Parliament of World Religions in 2015. Um, we have a significant chapter on transhumanism, again, because we've intersected with that culture a lot and go into its history, its meaning. And we try to stay away from the sensational side of it. We yeah. want to make sure that this is just, here's the documentation. This is what they're saying, but here's the reality of what they're saying. Might it happen or might not it happen? Let's work through what that looks like. Hey, he All did four it. of us are here now. Cool, you did it, Randall. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I feel like we're like the four musketeers. <laughs> yep. And then, and then the last chapter uh, of part four goes into how the culture has adopted oneism, and that takes you to places like the Burning Man event, uh, and not just Burning Man, but all kinds of other events that that draw from a, a similar vein. And then the last chapter of the book, which is you know part five, a chapter in of itself looks at, okay, 
how do we conclude this now how do we wrestle with this how do we become challenged to take this material and to use it in a way that we become ambassadors for christ what's interesting is we we throw that phrase around a lot mm -hmm. we're ambassadors for christ mm -hmm. what does it mean yeah like literally what does it mean and so i talk a little bit about that in the book and i bring into that uh an experience i had uh, attending a chicago council on foreign relations meeting where the u.s ambassador to saudi arabia was outlining what his role would be as an ambassador and all the the tasks that he had to consider and as he was as he was breaking that down i walked away from that event going golly that's a roadmap for what it looks like to be an ambassador for christ if i use christian language christian terminology what is an ambassador first and foremost an ambassador is the legal and the lawful representative of the government you as a christian are literally the legal and lawful representative of jesus christ mm -hmm. I, I you know i've said this lots and it doesn't doesn't fade away i can't think of any other higher calling than that wow period I can't either. Uh, and then I break that down, what it looks like uh, to be an ambassador, including the tasks of being ambassador, being in the culture, but not of the culture, because that's something that the U.S. ambassador made very clear. I have to study the history of Saudi Arabia. I have to study its, its social context. I have to know its culture. I have to know its religious context. I have to spend the time to know it, and I have to know it well enough that I can interact with it uh, in such a way that demonstrates I have a real knowledge. I've taken the time to to unpack and to consider what your world is like. Not that I become that, but I represent my government in that culture. In other words, for us as Christians, let's flip it back into some Christianese. Uh, we're of the world, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And that means taking the time to understand the world. Not that we adopt it, but then we, we can therefore, like Paul did in Acts 17, uh, find those those leverage points that we can begin to talk about it to to the people around us. And I'm hoping that's what the game of God's does is it gives you not just simply an education, a history of, of Western change, but it goes beyond and it ho hopefully it will challenge you to, to now look for vantage points to begin having conversations. And they can be really simple conversations. Well, like really simple. Yeah, and well and that's that's part of the reason why um, I wanted to ask you to explain the title, but I also uh, have a couple of questions uh, that that came in. Um, actually, somebody um, that I met on a different platform, Venus, she she made a comment a while back, a few minutes ago, about how she's feeling a draw spiritually more now than ever, and I think that that's that's very important to mm -hmm. to note. And then Sean said uh, that he wants your opinion of post liberalism thought. What's your opinion on that? Um, could he define what he's meaning? Because it could go a couple different ways. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, go ahead and define that, that Sean. Um, I And I will bring up this too. You, you brought up how this Gen Z is like one of the first generations without um, a Christian heritage, basically. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is the other day, it was a couple days ago, I was laying in bed, I was... To, I was listening to Dr. Adrian Rogers, uh, and he had given a, um, a video on America's coming destruction or future or something like that. So anyway, I was listening to it and I was like, yeah, this is really interesting because, you know, I, I don't listen to a lot of 
a lot of preachers and, you know, he's been highly respected throughout the ages. He died a number of years ago. But that message was preached in the early 80s uh, when, you know, when the four of us were in junior high and beginning high school. And, you know, one of the things he was talking about was how, you know, we've lost the foundation. We've lost the Christian heritage because we don't read history. And it, this isn't being taught in schools. And, you know, he he predicted that in the future there was going to be um, a pagan society like we've never seen before in America. And there's going to be gen the the children of, of the generation that he was speaking to, which would be our children, right, of this generation, will never know a Christian nation like like we did. And I'm laying there, it's like 4.30 in the morning, and I'm thinking, wow. You know, I mean, I had no idea, you know, because I, I remember um, in 1986 when I graduated from high school and eventually got out there, I started protesting, going to, uh, you know, Operation Rescue and things like that, um, that, you know, Dr. Dobson, who is still living, and Jerry Falwell, and all these guys who've been lionized and vilified on the Christian right, you know, we're the ones telling the church, look, you got to engage the culture. You have to get out there. You have to start promoting your worldview, but doing it in a loving way. Um, and this big political movement kind of came to the, the head. And Adrian Rogers apparently was part of that, which at the time I didn't know because I was too young. Um, and yet here we are now in our 50s, all of us, and we're, <laughs> we're mm -hmm. the generation, we're the parents well, I'm not a parent, but, you know, if I had kids of a generation that, that has not been raised with that foundation, they don't understand any of the culture that has that Christian heritage at all. Um, and I know in Canada, where you guys are, um, you know, Christianity has been targeted even worse than it is here. Um, and we're just a couple steps behind you now. I mean, as far as our religious freedom being being um, thought there, so... And, and and we are really Canada's uh, uh, um, an interesting duck. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because we we are both a product of Europe, as you folks are, mm -hmm. but we we now we are kind of that bridge between Europe, the post-Christian Europe, and America, which still portrays to the world a, a more of a, of a of a Christian society. At least that's the image that is portrayed. And Canada is. It's far more secular than people realize. We are a very secular nation. Right. We're not as secular as Europe, and we're certainly not as as churched as as the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, we're definitely ahead of you folks that way. And it's and it's not that it's just being a, a secularized culture. It's in many respects, again, finding that purpose and meaning in what is essentially a, a pagan construct. Uh, finding our purpose and meaning in in saving the earth and climate change and being good global citizens and all the rest that goes with it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Sean said post-liberal theology, Yale school of thought. So what's your, what's your, uh, uh, your opinion on post-liberal theology? Yeah. I'd have to look into that a little bit more. I'm not really sure. No. Sorry, Sean. Remember he's a researcher, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> he digs and digs and digs, you know. Yeah. But you know, a lot of a lot of the areas that I deal with is on on interfaithism, um, global governance, the culture, culture change. Um, well, what do you think I, about 
when, like like Oprah's New Age stuff. A lot of people know about that. Well, I mean, it's it's her own church. Uh, it, it's the church of oneness. It's the church of of now now spirituality. It's a church of Eckhart Tolle, uh, and and I do bring out um, I do bring out Oprah's worldview and and Eckhart Tolle and their influence, uh, especially when she was was interviewing him, and um, and and just what that did to help set the mood for oneness, especially in this last number of years, and and how the West really sucks that up. We've we've adopted it. Oh, if Oprah if Oprah sells it. The world's buying it. Oh, it is so huge. I mean, you know, in the legal field world, um, it is huge within the personal development aspect of legal field. Right. So mm. many people are into that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, that that I, goes I, back to the human potential thinking of the late 1960s. Yeah. And in the late 1960s, and I, I do talk a little bit about that in the book, especially uh, <clears throat> at the Esalon Institute. Where the Esalon Institute in the in the 1960s became that bridge between Eastern spirituality, humanistic thinking, uh, and the human potential movement. It really birthed the human potential movement, and it allowed Eastern meditation practices and Eastern concepts to come into the West in a significant way. And it was the place where maverick theologians would go, uh, where where you would have your liberal ministers, where you would have your liberal uh, professors, where where academics who who certainly had a leftist stripe. Would, would would tend to go to it was the place where you know timothy leary's worldview yeah. uh where, where lsd um mysticism and and human potential all merged came together and then was packaged and sold to the west and we're basically living right now as a culture Esalon's dreams that they gave us in the 1960s so one of my viewers wants to know what's wrong with that what's wrong with that yeah well if you don't accept the biblical worldview, then nothing's wrong with it. If the biblical worldview is correct, well, then there is a problem with it. The biblical worldview says ultimately that you're not going to be God. There is no higher self. Uh, you are not divine. That you actually have a, a disrupted relationship with who God is because we are inherently sinful in our, in our character, in our nature. If you believe that, uh, then those other products that I just talked about, yeah, they're, they're, they are in an antagonistic relationship because you don't have a higher self. Uh, you recognize who you are uh, in your state as a sinner. You recognize who you are in your state before God. It's he. He's the one that gives you uh, your purpose and meaning. It doesn't come from your own enlightenment or your own personal uh, experience that way. Not discounting experiences, but they have to be measured up against something higher than yourself, and that's not yourself. Right, and and I and I would say that you know the title of your book, Game of Gods, um, is really powerful because you know Scripture teaches us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by Him. What would you say? And I will wrap this up, being the last question, like this. What What would you say? You know, in the title of your book, Game of Gods, the other gods out there are compared to who Jesus is. Creation, nature, and every aspect of it. Me claiming I'm a higher self, that's divine identity theft against who the true God is. Mm -hmm. uh, when we say nature is divine, that is now a game of gods we are playing against the true God. We are literally engaging in continual divine identity theft. 
And there's a reason why, you know, uh, and I'll back up a little bit. I was always disturbed as a young person in the Genesis account of why death? Why would there be death? Why that consequence for disobeying God's order? To me, it seems like a really serious consequence. I mean, it is. It's so final. Why that? Well, it makes sense, even logically, because if God truly is the author of life, literally the author of life, to choose a path other than his is to have its consequence being the path of death. And, and ever since then, we've been playing Game of Gods. We play Game of Gods, not that we can ever create anything out of nothing. We can't. We're part of the created order. All we can do is operate with what we have here, what God has given us. But we play God against each other, always. And uh, unfortunately, some of those games of gods that we play, the only thing that we can do is destroy, not create. That's a drop of a mic, people. I love that. Divine identity theft. That, you know yeah, what? Cause... I'm guilty. And Stacey, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. We Ryan. all are. Yeah. We are. I know. I know. It, it's the struggle of being human, right? Is that right. in our natural sinful state, we want to be be control freaks right <laughs> i mean fact, we do yeah. yeah and that is not the essence of sin it is, is. To make that is to make that claim that i'm in charge of my my destiny i'm the master of my universe yeah well and and that's why this COVID 19 thing is very interesting to me because the amount of fear the culture has um embraced uh yeah. is it's massive. I have never seen so many people controlled by fear than now. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to something this afternoon um, and somebody said, and it was in the context of sales because I was, I was on a, um, a legal shield thing, but they were saying that we can choose not to bow to fear. And I, I wrote that down. I thought, Ooh, that's good. I'm going to keep that because so much of what we do you know, is, is controlled by that fear. And yet, um, you know, we have the Holy Spirit and he gives us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Um, you know, he doesn't give us fear, you know, and perfect love casts out all fear. Um, and that's who Christ is, right? He casts out fear. We don't have to bow to fear. Um, because that's the tactic of the enemy. And, and yet we see fear in entertainment. Uh, you know, people are fascinated by it, but they're not fascinated by the one true God. Um, and that's kind of the point of this show. I, I, I'm, I'm not that I feel like I always deliver it perfectly, but I, I hopefully people will think. And that's my goal. You know, it's interesting when you mention fear. Uh, fear is talked about a lot in the Bible. Fear is not always a bad thing. Right. But, but it depends where you put your focus of your fear. We're supposed to fear God and not fear man. We do the exact opposite. Right. Leanne, my sister, from another mommy. <laughs> and pickleball player who I love. <laughs> do you have any final thoughts? Um, well, again, thank you for being willing to put my face out there because it's like... <laughs> really <laughs> but I, I just want people to understand that this man that wrote this book like he he went on a lot and he explained a lot of what was in that book but what is in his heart is 
to make sure people know the truth and to study truth and to understand what truth is. And I, I kept rattling around in my head. There's a, in the book, um, he dedicated it to his mom and his mom taught us, taught him, taught his brothers and sisters, taught her grandchildren this point. And it's like, you were born an original. Don't die a copy. And she raised her children to be independent thinkers, independent learners, and to be knowing who their Lord is and to fear them, fear him. And to also uh, not be scared of what people say or people do. And it's, and it's amazing what this family is. And it is an honor to be part of this family and part of this um, team that we have. And, uh, but we have a lot of fun and we, yeah, and we, we do, do screw up a lot. <laughs> Okay, I'm not lot. I'm not done. Okay. I was trying to be really nice and kind and blow you up a little bit, but I'm gonna blow you up now. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I love him and he's amazing and what it's in his head is is in his heart too. So there we go. And he he's he's got unusually long arms. Um <laughs> Yep, I'm the missing link. It, it, it actually exists. Yes. I'm the missing link. Uh, it was. Fun. I think that was so funny. At the, at the last, that was beautiful. By the way, Leanne, <laughs> sir. Thank you. I tried. Yeah. Well, actually, I just said I just read that dedication there too, and I was like, yeah, that's so good. But at the last time we we met, you were talking about your your suit and how you had this suit. And nobody would believe that you could actually fit in it because your arms are so long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we sit beside each other and we're the same height, but then he stands up and he gains a foot on me. Yeah. So it's it's just these limb things I have, that I have happen. itty bitty torso mm -hmm. and like extremities. Just are you sure he's not an Ephilim? Just No, I'm not. <laughs> just you're not sure. <laughs> Okay, just notice that your kids are not reptiles or anything. I'm no, they're fine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty crazy. Uh, only people who watch the show a long time will get that. I'm not going to even explain that, but whatever. That's all right. Okay, so tell people again where they can get your stuff, and we will wrap this up in a bow, because I think we went over our time. Oh, okay. Um, you can actually read excerpts of the book at gameofgods.ca. And uh, you can read the bibliography. There's a bunch of other things that, that you can find there, some other interviews. Uh, then you can find us on Facebook. And you can find myself on Twitter. Uh, and you can pick up the book at Amazon. Just look up Game of Gods by Carl Teichrib. Yep. Okay, people. So thank you. You know, it took me two years to get these guys back on the show, just so you guys know. Because so, he's such in high demand as a speaker all over yeah. the world. But now he's quarantined to the house, so I was able to finally get him. Mm -hmm. People. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, go to his website and um and get the book. Truly. You should you should truly get the book. It's heavy. It really is heavy. Gosh, you could use it as a weight. Uh, game of gods, people. Alright. And tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's Sunday, right? I think it's Sunday. We'll be back tomorrow night. Yeah, we will. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Remember, as I always say, be bold, stand up, and go with God, people, because he loves you. <laughs>